another scaring is sharing the podcast where we share spooky news and our frightful views with each other and you on all things horror was up? i like that it's getting better the more you do it <laughs> like <laughs> it's getting better and better yeah and i'm so happy to be here today with jeremy the original sasquatch slim rusk and i'm here with brandy joe the flaming scream queen plan back oh my gosh friends we are friends to the end. Friends to the end. Just <laughs> this like the... is the end, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched some video on Child's Play, and they played that line. They're like, mm. and then we get this like banger of a one-liner from Andy. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end, friend. He's such a horrible little actor, but God, he has turned into such a cute little cub. Oh, yeah. I love the him. Child's Play. I think it's one, two, and three very soon here are getting uh 4k uh blu-ray re-releases done by scream factory no less so you they... are so horny for scream factory yeah scream factory i don't know i see online a lot of people like hate their stuff for some reason like huh. I, i'm in a lot of like physical media collector groups and horror groups especially uh and a lot of the some of the nerds are like ah scream factory burr, 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 and doesn't like their product but i'm like i think they do a good like each of these niche uh, physical media distributors, they do, they all have their things they do well, I think, because you got Scream Factory, Vinegar Syndrome, and Severin Films are like the big ones that compete with each other for the same okay. kind of, the same kind of exploitation, like uh, the stuff we're into yeah. <laughs> for the most part. So, um, and they all do good jobs. I like all their stuff. So, yeah. And, Everybody, if it's your first time, Jeremy and I just talk shit for like a half hour. Horror. We talk horror, whatever we want, and then we get into the movies we share or yeah, that we're watching for the first yeah. time. Yeah, whatever's it's pretty on our chill, mind. Okay, but like if you haven't seen the movies we're talking about, you could just like hang out with us for like a half hour until we get to them. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> we just talk about weird shit. So. Yeah. Sometimes we do. Like, did you hear about what happened with Sean Cunningham? That's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> we'll bring it up. <laughs> yeah. So he's on Cameo now. Somebody right? discovered of all places to find this news and his little blurb. I'm going to read it, actually, because I just had it pulled up. Yeah, pull it out. I mean, pull it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, his Cameo bio says, and for those of you who are like Sean Cunningham. So uh, here it goes. Sean S. Cunningham directed and produced the seminal horror film Friday the 13th, creating the iconic villain Jason Voorhees. The movie has spawned 12 installments with a 13th scheduled for next year. So apparently uh, dropping some hints that the next one's coming very soon. Is that word not seminal? <laughs> <laughs> seminal what an interesting word the seminal movie oh my god seminal. That's, that's so funny yeah but that's crazy because okay i know we've like brought this up so many times so many times that for a minute it felt like we were the friday the 13th podcast because <laughs> we talked it's about true. it so much it's true but like so sean cunningham directed the first one yes but someone else wrote the first one 
Victor Miller is right. The Victor Miller, and so that's the big hang-up is that like yes. they're sort of arguing over whatever over these two things. I directed it. I own the property, but like Jason, even though he's in the first one briefly, really Sean Cunningham did the second one, right? Wrote yes. it, but Steve Miner directed the second one. Correct. And so, so Sean, Sean Cunningham, Cunningham is has, like, I own Jason. Yes, he's like, I own Jason in most of this intellectual property because he's the producer that made all of them. He's been involved in some, you know, degree for in the whole series. So, yeah. uh, and Victor Miller just wrote the original script. But there's this law in the United States about copyright because I, I feel like this doesn't really affect like Europe per se or anything like that. Like other territories, the big issue is in the United States because of U.S. law where uh, after a certain number of years, like they allowed for writers that worked on things to make a claim to their original product. So Victor Miller was claiming okay. ownership of the original Friday the 13th. Uh, and so like everything had to get renegotiated and refigured out in court who owns what and what's gonna happen. So I think it's a matter of, they probably had to compensate Victor Miller in some way. And that's probably how they would resolve that. Cause it's not like a lot of these writers because Friday the 13th is the most high profile one. I understand like a bunch of intellectual property, like like the West Craven estate got back, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, like the rights to it um, in their case. So like this has happened with a bunch of stuff. Yeah, recently. greed is an evil monster. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I understand people I get should it. be compensated fairly if you feel right. like. But um, a lot of the other ones got wrapped up way more quietly like i think child's play was one affected by this i feel like well the that, i was writer... just gonna bring that up that's funny you mentioned that because i on that making the monster on shutter which i really loved dom ancini he talked about the creation of chucky and how he was really advised when he was creating the character to be very specific in certain things so that when it all came down to it he owned everything yeah in regards to chucky like yep. how it looked the color of hair the colors all of that so someone else couldn't like say oh well nope that's my creation because i came up with the the red hair on the doll yeah. so it's like, in the script that yeah. he's red hair wears this color shirt and overalls that say good guy on it <laughs> yeah so yep. it's it's interesting and i mean i'm glad like because chucky's iconic mm -hmm. so and i also dumb mancini seems like fucking so cool so i'm like you should own chucky okay yeah and another uh another example too was uh uh tom holland not the young actor the <laughs> much older director tom holland uh who did direct the original child's play uh mm. you know go uh go figure uh but he got the rights to fright night because ah. he wrote the uh he wrote the screenplay as well as directed the original fright night so he would but right. he got it with like no problems because nobody apparently wanted to hold on to the fright night rights so he got it back and that's why we're seeing like a bunch of anniversary and new like stuff coming out for fright night because he's wanted it to do more things with it because he's felt like it's been a uh, franchise that studios mishandled and has had ideas about what he wants to do with it for the fans so there you go and i wonder if he was making out with chris sutherland because he was like in both of those movies mm -hmm. so he was probably like they were swapping some spit you know mm -hmm. Because that's mm -hmm. the only reason two people would work together more than once, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely, Because you're, like, right? making out and, like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> I do think Chris Sutherland is so hot. Oh, my God, Fright Night. That, like, awakened feelings in me as a young boy that I did not know yet how to deal with. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> there's that sexy scene between him and what's the, the like, nerdy 
the the best friend in it that gets turned. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Has um, a, uh, evil Ed. Like, evil evil Ed. Ed. Thank you. Don. Yeah. Yeah. He has that like very sort of homo erotic scene. Yeah. yeah. And it just made me feel things. And also just that in that club when he's dancing with that girl, I was just like, oh my God, he's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been on Bloody Disgusting this week? Uh, no. Other they than to changed see... their logo. Did they? Let me look. Yeah, it used to be this sort of like glitchy VHS sort of look. And now it's just like, fittingly, just looks very bloody. But I love it. I think it looks very crisp and clean. And I'm oh. just a big oh. fan. Yeah. I was on, I was on there right now to read you that thing about Sean Cunningham and okay. even check the logo. Yeah, they used to have like a skull. Oh with, yeah, 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 yeah. At and one I think, point. Yep, yep. I think that's like when they do their video stuff, like because they produce some things, right? There's some. Like, yes. I think that's yeah. In particular, when they use that like skull, they've gone through a couple iterations. When I like Googled their logo, but I really yeah. like the new one. I think it's cool. Yeah, that is cool. It's got a very 80s vibe. Yeah. 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 And we're all about that. Hell um, yeah. Oh, and I see a uh, headline. Another thing I was going to bring up with you Tell in the me. news, which is Terrifier 2 is coming out very soon and has a trailer. Did you uh, watch? I did. Uh, How does and it, it look? It looks like more of the same from the first movie, uh, but I'm I'm down for it. I want more Art the Clown in my life. I wonder, because they know that that one scene, which I don't even have to spoiler, you know there's one scene in it. I know what iconic. you're talking about. I don't know if iconic is the right word, but that stands out that everyone talks about. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> sure that they're going to have to... Up the ante. And do something similar where everyone's going to talk about it. So I'm curious what that will be. This time it's four people. <laughs> it's like the, the human centipede too. At the same time. <laughs> uh, I'm I, excited. I yeah, I'm excited for it too. It's going to be in theaters apparently. Yeah, that's what I read. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's like a limited engagement. We'll have to check our local AMCs with their, yeah. uh, they do their, uh, what do they call it? Thrills and chills is what thrills they call that. Chills. When they play these uh, indie horror movies for uh, limited engagement. So, And you know the movie Barbarian? Which yes. You I'm walked hearing... in. Yeah, I, it takes place in Detroit, which I'm, I just read oh. that it's in Detroit. It's like a, cool. you know, an Airbnb such gone wrong is all yeah. I really know about it. That's it too. And everyone that I like respect horror bloggers and stuff, I respect the opinions of that I follow on uh, Letterboxd. Most of them, their reviews are just go in blind. They say yes. like, this movie is crazy, but go in blind and you'll have a lot of fun with oh my it. God. So. It's like my motto. Yeah. So I, uh, I want to see this because it's getting like rave reviews from people I, uh, like I said, respect their opinion. Love respect. There's also this Spanish movie coming out called Piggy. Have you heard of this? No, 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 no. It's about this plus size girl. And she is sort of um, harassed by this group of like popular pretty girls. Mm. And they like chase her, I don't know, like away from a pool or at a pool. They start making fun of her and she like hides away. And then she sees them all get like kidnapped by this guy in a van and it's mm. sort of like her being like well these girls were fucking awful to me and she's mm. sort of like enamored with like the kidnapper slash possible killer and so it's like does she tell the authorities does she create a relationship with this guy who's kidnapped all these tormentors of hers there's these like like the poster of it is like the the lead girl and she's standing there and she's just bloody and she's like standing on a street and it's like piggy and it looks I'm so fucking excited. I've only read about it and seen that picture, which is more than enough for me to be like, fuck yes. Yeah, that 
I want to see that. That sounds. Plus, like we were this... talking about Spanish films, and it's Spanish, oh yeah. So yeah, I want to. I that sounds good. I like. I like that plot setup. Is the kind of thing that uh, you know, when you're trying to come up with like what would be like a fun twist on an idea that already exists, you're like, but she falls in love with the killer. <laughs> and it, I mean, I know it's not really the same thing, but it sort of made me think of Apt Pupil, which mm. I haven't seen in a million years. But how he sort of forges this relationship with this nazi yes i don't remember how it all goes south if he tries to i think he tries to like blackmail him or something isn't that right yes that's part of it tries to blackmail the nazi the nazi's like uh you want to try to fuck with a nazi yeah that's pretty much you're out of your league is what happens and shit gets crazy at the end good fleck right like yeah from what i remember it was very disturbing it was one of those movies where i felt unclean afterwards yeah (laughs) like just because of the the psychological content like not that it i mean it has disturbing imagery because it has holocaust imagery in it right but, um it, it's just it's dark you feel a little fucked up when you watch that movie when it's done um and it's definitely one i've wanted to revisit for years i haven't seen it in forever um and it used to be on my list of like you guys want to see something disturbing here's a movie watch this one because it kind of flew under the radar when it came out and people missed it yeah, and rest in peace, Brad Renfro. Mm-hmm. I know I've probably brought him up a few times on here because I loved him. He was so good. He would have been such a good little actor. I yeah. mean, he was a good little actor, but he would have been a great... If he overcame his demons. <sighs> I know. They're out there. They'll get you, man. Mm-hmm. If you're not careful. That's right. And even in recovery, like they they talk about, and I've sort of like in meetings sort of like turned this around in a, a different phrase, but they're like, they say like, if you don't keep moving forward with your recovery, like your addictions are out in the parking lot doing push-ups. But I always sort of say like, my monsters are out there like waiting for me around the corner. Cause it's like, if you don't keep up on it, if you don't like, if you're not doing whatever yeah. you need to do to stay sober, like it's just, it's right there. It will yeah. grab you. It if will you- pop up from the back seat and hold a knife to your throat, okay? Yeah, I mean, if you don't have the resolve, um, <laughs> it can get you. And if you don't have the the wherewithal, you might think you're strong enough, but sometimes you gotta recalibrate and realize uh, what you need to do. Do what you yeah. need to do. Do what you need to do. I yeah. try not to say I'm a recovered addict. I like to live, as someone once said, in the ING, mm-hmm. like, because I feel like that moment you're like, Oh, I've got this covered as when shit goes down. Yeah. And I don't want that, okay? Yeah, exactly. You wanna <laughs> you wanna just feel like, no, I'm good. I'm strong. I can handle this all the time. All the time. So do what you need to do. If you're hungry, eat something. If you're yes. thirst if you're thirsty, drink something. Yes, but if you wanna get high, don't necessarily get high. <laughs> yeah, but don't do that. <laughs> Unless you're not an addict, and then go yeah. for it. And you know what? Yeah. Smoke one for me. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You know what, guys? <laughs> if you can do it, do it. But you know, certain things you can't uh you can't overcome. Uh okay, so you remember back in the day when Jordan someone said Jordan Peele was like the greatest horror director of all time, and he was like, um, excuse me, John Carpenter. Please. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then from that Far Out magazine, and I don't think we've talked about this, like interview John Carpenter or something and came out with John Carpenter's eight favorite horror films. Whoa, okay. So, and I haven't seen a lot of these, but I think you've seen most of them. Oh, so cool. the, the thing from another world. Yeah, that, the, orig- the original, right? of course, the that he remade. He remade yeah. it for a reason. He featured it in the original Halloween and then goes on and to remake he, it. So. Yeah, which is so and Mike, good. Michael Myers as a, character too is heavily based on the monster from 
the thing from another world. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like, you can watch it and be like, oh, I can see Michael Myers oh. in this. And like, especially the way they made him behave in the original and then two. Okay. Two especially has some straight up, Halloween two has some straight up like homage to the monster from oh. the thing from another world. So I like it. Yeah. Next is X the Unknown, not X the movie from a couple years from yeah. this last year. <laughs> X the Unknown. I talked about this on here a long time ago. Not a long time ago. Feels like it. it What's was, it about? It, it's a it's it's a it's one of the Hammer flicks. It was an early Hammer uh, production in England. Uh, it's sort of like a riff on the Blob. Okay. Where it's this it's this science fiction film where this it's like a living puddle it's like the living puddle of radiation yeah is on the loose and killing people because it came from like a meteor or something like that like it was my brother i I only know this one because my brother bert turned me on to it and had me watch it with him and i was like that was weird kind of cool i never would have like sought this one out on my own i'd heard the name before but it's like one of the first hammer when they first started in england they were focusing on like science fiction because that was big at the time Okay, uh, and then they made a giant like a, a, they made a hard turn into gothic horror because they realized like you know what like Dracula Frankenstein that stuff all used to be really big uh, money makers and nobody's Universal you know stop making those nobody's doing them right now let's do our own take on it in like the 60s and from the late 50s through the 60s and 70s so that's what they then became known for was the gothic horror okay I'm intrigued Another film, The Quarter Mass Experiment. Quater Mass. Okay, thank you. Now that I'm looking at it, I can see that. It looks like quarter, but I can, quater. What the hell is that? That's another one I know, uh, uh, thanks to my brother. It's another English English horror movie. Again, like invaders from outer space thing. It's like a creature from outer space. Um, And Quater Mass is the name of, the doctor i think in it where like there's a series of novels in england he's a bigger he's a more known pop culture thing in england where there's like a series of science fiction adventure novels about this doctor Quatermass. okay who's, uh yeah fighting aliens and stuff like that or you know investigating almost x-filesy kind of stuff so all right next yeah. up tell me if you've seen it because i think you have house of dracula from 1958 yeah Wait, House of Dracula from 1958? Yeah, it says directed by Terrence Fisher. House of Dracula. Do they mean Horror of Dracula, probably? How about this? Horror of Dracula from 1958. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. That sounds better. Because <laughs> there, there is a House of Dracula, but that's from, that's from, long, <sighs> that's like from the 40s. Uh, yeah, no, that's the, that's the hammer. Their yep. first Dracula. I, I saw the picture, and yep. yes, Chris, a hunter, Chris... Christopher, Christopher Lee, Lee right? as Dracula. Yep. Okay. Peter, Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, an amazing pair together in any horror movie. So, next is N O T L D. N O T O, Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Yeah, of course. Naturally. Of course. George Romero inspired everybody. All of his contemporaries <laughs> were inspired by him. He he pulled something amazing off. The Fly, the OG. The OG. Yep, that's a solid one. The Exorcist. Of course. Of course. And then one of your all-time faves, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Of course. The remake. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The remake. Of course. I mean, Texas Chainsaw and Night of the Living Dead. Toby Hooper and Romero changed the game. Yeah. Almost one after, like a one-two punch. 
because what was it? Night of the Living Dead was 68 and Texas Chainsaw was 74, just a few years apart from each other. And they are pretty much ground zero for, you know, every, modern horror happened because of them. So now Romero obviously has like the Dead trilogy, which are all so fucking good. And I love that they are all very different while covering similar themes and obviously a zombie outbreak. Mm-hmm. But like, has he done anything else that you love? Because did he also do that Van Martin? Is that him? Yeah, he did Martin. Uh, and that is like Martin is one too. Like, I got to revisit it because I. I only vaguely remember it. I saw it in college because I had a buddy that was like, you got to watch this movie. It's Romero's like unsung masterpiece. And I remember watching it and being like, it was weird, but I don't remember a lot about it. So Same. we, we got to we gotta watch it again sometime. Um, let me one look of the up. rat movies his? Willard? Is that him? No. I don't, no, let me look. I'm going to look this up. I want to see his filmography. How weird is it that Ben, which is the sequel to Willard, right? That has a song by michael jackson that is yes. so fucking weird yeah that that willard was apparently enough of a hit at the time that they made a big sequel and got michael jackson <laughs> to do the music and so then... odd okay let's see uh romero oh the crazies the original the crazies oh i've never seen the og just the remake which i that's, liked that's a cool flick um creep show of course Duh. Oh my God. I'm so dumb. Yes. Here's one that I remember watching as a youngster and thinking like me and my buddies, when we looked for crazy horror movies to rent from the video store, me and Nick the knife, uh, and then would like make fun of them. Uh, monkey shines. Oh my God. Monkey shines. That was George Romero that I I've always written off as like a lesser entry. Cause I'm like, yeah, it was kind of like a goofy B movie. Um, but I've been seeing recent like reappraisals of that one as like mm. something better than it was. And I'm like, really? Okay, I guess I got to revisit that and double check. Uh, oh, the dark half. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, it's I saw it when it first came out on VHS. I remember renting it as a new release. Yeah. And have not seen it since. And then I was from a child in his later uh, filmography, I thought Land of the Dead was okay. Mm. Uh, not as good as the original trilogy right uh, but but better than the i think how he would finish off the dead series because i didn't really like diary of the dead that much i remember when it came out the found footage one he did right mm-hmm. uh and everyone was like oh it's so cool and then i watched it i'm like it i don't think it's that good per se and then survival of the dead was just such a low note sadly for him to finish his zombie yeah yeah saga on so yes, I stand corrected. I mean, not that I said he doesn't have anything else. I just couldn't come to think mind. of the rest. Yeah, I but think yeah. of everything else other than that Dead trilogy, like Creep Show, is, is the big one. Yeah, is the best outside of because that was just and he technically, I mean, he did um, write Creep Show two as well, so he was involved in that. Which there's only one good segment. I mean, to this day, Joe and I still quote, I think the first or the second segment, I think the first segment's the the Native American statue or that whatever. Alive. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one's thanks for the ride, lady. Yeah. <laughs> Which Joe and I still quote all the time. And then but the raft. I love the raft. I the raft love the is raft. incredible. Like it makes the whole movie worth it just for that. So Yeah, so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so Fiend of the podcast, Nico. Mm-hmm. sent me a thing he is going to see there is this showing of alien at a sculpture park near him with live music and mini golf beforehand doesn't wow. that sound just like the most exciting thing they're going next week 
That sounds cool as shit. On Saturday, September 3rd. This is in, I think, upstate New York. I was going to say, wait, where, what region of the oh country God. is Doesn't he that in? just sound like, what a fun night. Yeah. Golf, music, alien, sculpture park. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love all of those things. And combined, combined, it's like, what the fuck? Come on, Metro Detroit. <laughs> Up your game. Get something like that going somewhere. Somebody. The only other piece of news I have is I read A24 has a new movie coming out called The Front Room with Brandy co-starring, not me, Brandy, but like Moesha Brandy, which is always my go-to when people say, Randy, when I introduce myself and I say, no, Brandy, like Moesha sitting up in my room. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. If they're young, they have no idea what I'm talking about. No, not at Uh, all. (laughs) If you're too young, you don't get it. That's right. It's based on a short story and it's going to be directed by the Eggers brothers. Eggers Max and Sam, who are brothers of Robert. Oh, whoa. I know. One of them, like, co-wrote The Lighthouse or did had something to do with The Lighthouse. Okay. And the other one worked on The Witch, like, did some production-y thing. Okay. Isn't that crazy? The Eggers that is, brothers. That's wild. There's more of them. <laughs> there are. All Everyone get together and make a super movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of what Creepshow was, right? Yeah. Like, sort of. Uh, Romero. Was, and, and Stephen couple- King. And Stephen King, uh, just those two, like they sort of like they were the masterminds, yeah. And then yeah. I think there's some other people were involved in there in the writing and producing. So, but yeah, so I'm intrigued by that. A, I really it, love Brandy. I I love her. She's the best part of I still know what you did last summer, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's a twenty four, which as we've spoke about, you know, for the most part. I mean, I don't like climax. That's another unpopular opinion I have. Everyone else is so head over heels for climax, and I fucking hate it i love the dance sequences but that's it climax as in that was what's his face right um gasper yeah or... gasper no yeah Ugh. Yep. Ooh, Ugh. This is divisive director on yes this divisive but but almost everyone fucking loves that movie and i will agree the dancing is amazing the first like 20 minutes is like a non-breaking camera you know feed if that's not the right word yeah um, th- whatever you know the camera never stops and it's just like this gorgeous dance sequence sure but then all the rest i mean people are like oh my god they cast dancers who aren't actors and look how good they are and i'm like uh-uh uh-uh and plus yeah. i just hate the story so yeah i've always been feel like i guess i should check it out sometime it's just it's a, a lot of his work just doesn't grab me in a way where i'm like i have to see this um the last thing i watched and this is from years ago now by him was enter the void uh, yeah how is that also like kind of wild and crazy yeah i thought it was cool it's definitely a more like experimental film than it is like a narrative film you're gonna sit down and like enjoy the story of because the idea is it's about a guy that's like dying from a drug overdose uh and he has an out-of-body experience and kind of like you're supposed to be traveling with his spirit or his essence or whatever where he's seeing his friends lives and i think traveling through like time as well to like past events and things but it's point of view so you're supposed to be seeing it in the first person from his point of view and it's like a continuous shot sort of thing so it is strange uh almost impenetrable at times but i thought it was interesting as an experimental film um but other than that like a lot of his work just i i I am interested though he had a flick from recently what is it called Lux Eternia, Eternia Lux, something like that. That's like a super meta commentary about film production. Okay. Because uh, it's about like, I can't remember who's in it, but the the actresses in it are 
on a set making a movie about which is discussing the history of like witch trials and witch burnings and things like that and then a bunch of like crazy visuals and see that sounds kind of good to me yeah it sounds interesting so that's one i'd like to check out and that was from within the last five years he directed that okay and we didn't get any telegrams this week but we did get a text from teacher drew okay cool who said just a quick note to say thanks for your podcast thanks for doing it weekly thanks for being so down to earth and relatable thanks for all the joy you bring love to you both (laughs) teacher drew He's always just trying to take our hearts and rip them out of our chest. I know he makes me the best I, way. I felt pretty emotional when he sent that last one a while back <laughs> about how much our uh, show means to him. And that's like, that's the reason for the season <laughs> of the witch. That's the reason for the season, season of, of the, the witch. witch. That's it. I mean, I would do this just for having a handful of dedicated people. Which uh, we have. Yeah. And hanging out with you. us. That's, yeah. that's like all I need. That feels, <laughs> that feels good. So heck yeah so anything you watched any other news nah i've been pretty lazy i've been just trying to keep up on the the horror news which we've already discussed and i haven't really watched anything of note been it happens sometimes i'm sorry guys i know i'm supposed to be watching movies to talk about on the podcast but some days it gets away from you so our last episode where we did two films you chose both of them because it was your birthday so yeah so we gotta go back so before. going back before <laughs> that i gave first with so long ago palm springs from july Ooh. 15th was whoa, the last whoa, time whoa. We had a <laughs> okay. regular old episode yeah where we each give each other a movie the other hasn't seen so mm-hmm. you Give it to me first. Give it to me good. Okay, well, this is going to be interesting. I've decided to shake things up. So if this is your first time listening to our show, normally the idea is we give, um, we each pick a movie the other hasn't seen. But I was looking at our third list. (laughs) The list, the list. We keep a master spreadsheet of all the movies, just in case... Again, if you're new and you haven't heard us speak of the list, um, fiends of the podcast know what's up, though. But on the uh, we ha- we have a we have a sheet where we keep movies for both of us. But this is a movie we've both seen, and we decided we have it on the list as a rewatch. We thought it'd be good to rewatch it for the show, uh, and it is the 25th anniversary of this flick. Uh, mm-hmm. And Nico in the last episode mentioned it, so I'm huh? saying Event Horizon. Oh, okay. for the both of us to rewatch that's and discuss. Because awesome. hundred percent, the last time I was like, "Yep, yeah, I need to rewatch it." Because I again watched it like when it came out, and I couldn't tell you. Yep, and I I was obsessed with it as a teenager when I first saw it. When it, you know, after it had come out, and I finally saw it and thought, like, "Oh, this movie's awesome." But it's been many years since I gave sat down and gave it a uh, watch through. So I am ready to revisit. Yeah. So, I mean, since I've seen it, but what I remember of it is like, it's kind of like a haunted spaceship, but more like, like the devil or like, you know, like it's like hell on a spaceship essentially is what I recall. It's not like ghosts, but it's like hell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's one of those movies too, that for me, it's always, it had stuck with me for many years uh, where it was, um, I feel sort of like the exorcist. It's a movie that, it scared me so badly the first time or unnerved me so much the first time I saw it that 
no matter how much time I feel like when I think about it, no matter how much time passes or I can tell myself it's just a movie. Look at how like corny the special effects have become. I still am like, I am so scared. Like as soon as it comes on and I see, you know, the images <laughs> of the movie where I'm like, it takes me back to that place of fear. So I, I remember they, they mastered the mood, like the, yeah. the mood just feels dreadful as you see the images of the movie. So. All right. Well, since that's what you're doing, I'll do the same. Oh, cool. We'll have a, a rewatch episode. That's awesome. Okay. And I will do Martin. Yeah. Since we just talked about it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. Let's do Martin. So I'm excited. Yeah. And what Martin, do you remember of Martin? All I remember about Martin, it was uh it was the sort of thing where it's like, okay, so Romero reinvented the zombie movie uh you know with night of the living dead because it was not first zombie movie but zombie movies before that focused on the traditional haitian you know mythology folklore around zombies uh and he's the one that turned them into just ravenous ghouls that can't be stopped you know reanimated corpses that are killing people and that's like what you think of now with a zombie uh so I know it's a few years later, he does Martin, which is like, I guess I'm going to do a new spin on the vampire story, which came out as something more akin to like a serial killer drama or a psycho, uh, uh, psych psychopathic sort of story where he's a man that thinks he's a vampire. Uh, but really, he's just a killer. He has like, I remember he makes fangs to wear to bite people and stuff like that. He's actually just uh, a very unwell person. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so that's what i remember about it yeah as soon as you start talking about it, i'm like yeah i would like to rewatch this and yeah see if it's so, any good. so see if martin right, well, holds it's a, up it's a it's a rewatch episode i like that that's cool <laughs> i'm glad i brought that up because yeah event horizon it's the 25th anniversary apparently of its release and so uh there's a lot in the horror blogs and stuff talking about it again so actually i got a new name for it be kind rewind episode be kind rewind <laughs> yeah okay that i was works. trying to come up with like a, a cool horror word with r in it and then i just kept going to rewind and i was like oh yeah like on the old vhs yeah be kind rewind because but <laughs> i mean both of these were like titans in the vhs era like they yeah. they definitely i what i remember about event horizon is that the trailer was on every fucking videotape at the end of the 90s yeah that makes so, sense there you go all right well let's watch them and come back okay don't you blame the movies movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative is the time after that beautiful music we have in there. Yeah. Kastriba. Yeah. Nick the Knife. This is the time where we talk about the movies. Yeah. Party in the front. Party in the rear. That's right. <laughs> it's parties all around. Yeah. Whichever side you go, top or bottom, there is yep. a party going on. There's a party happening. <laughs> um, I also realized that uh, both these movies, we kind of there's a couple thematic things. I know there's one in particular. There's one that I know of. So I'm excited to hear yours. Okay. Well, should I say them? No, not yet. Not until we okay. get to the second one. Till afterwards. Okay. Well, first up, we did Event Horizon, uh, which, you know, motivated by the fact that it's in every horror blog site is talking about it right now because of the 25th anniversary of Event Horizon. 
this year. So uh, Event Horizon directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, and the uh, tagline is infinite space, infinite terror. <laughs> Which seems a little misleading because it's actually not really infinite space per se. They're pretty confined, but whatever. Sure. Uh, and the description on Letterbox is in 2047, which I was like, holy crap, that's only like 20 years away. <laughs> A group of astronauts are sent to investigate and salvage the starship Event Horizon, which disappeared mysteriously seven years before on its maiden voyage. With its return, the crew of the Lewis and Clark discover the real truth behind the disappearance of the Event Horizon and something even more terrifying. Ooh, Ooh, I feel like I can do that at the end of every description. I know, right? And boy, did they ever find (laughs) some terrifying shit in this movie. Also, speaking of like how close we are to the years in it, also, it was made in 1997, which is when I graduated. So that means I graduated 25 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> which is so crazy. <laughs> I'm daddy. Yeah, it's like uh, these numbers make me more and more uncomfortable. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. Years are bigger. I don't know. <laughs> getting so, older. I think this movie's fine. I I don't I don't as we say have a big boner for it. I think it's fine. I think it's very well made. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some of those 90s touches, like the things floating by. Like, it doesn't look like Poltergeist, where it almost looks real, but you still can tell it's like magical effects, but like everything's floating in the room. Mm-hmm. It more reminds me of like Carrie the Rage 2 or the Rage Carrie 2, when yeah. there's like CDs flying and stuff like that, that sort of thing. But I think it's like well made. I just don't love it. I, I, I think that like I want more characterizations. I feel like it gets a little confusing, like this story, and maybe that's some of what was like cut out and stuff. Yeah, we we've, we've I've got stuff to discuss with you. Okay, so. good. It kind of feels like Hellraiser in space, which I never did see Hellraiser in space, but that's what it feels like. Let me tell you, this is a better Hellraiser in space movie than the Hellraiser I, I in bet. space movie. So, I bet. so good on them if they had just done this <laughs> with Hellraiser <laughs> for their Hellraiser in space, it would have been way better. So. Yeah, that's about what I got to say. I mean, I have more to say, but like my general overall feelings are like, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, my main thought afterwards was for me, it holds up. I think I had said this before in the first half too. Uh, this movie still like I saw this at an impressionable time. I was like an early teenager, I think uh, maybe even still preteen because in 97, I would have been 11 years old mm-hmm. and uh, it was like a few years after that that I saw this with some friends. I think we watched it on like HBO or something like that because uh, they were like, oh, this movie's good. So we watched it and it was freaky as a, I don't know, let's say I was 13 <laughs> the first time I saw this, probably around there. So uh, it left an impression uh, and it reminded me a lot of seeing something like The Exorcist for the first time where the the actual, the atmosphere is like everything in this movie. And did they nail that overbearing atmosphere, like every scene just feels like something bad is going to happen at all times. Like it's an overwhelmingly uh, spooky, I guess, or dreadful. I don't know how you want to describe it, but you're like, yeah, everything looks bad. (laughs) You know, bad things are going to happen just from the way this movie looks. Uh, And I I liken that kind of to The Exorcist where you watch The Exorcist and it's like the overall just aesthetic, visual aesthetic of the movie is gloom so um that kind of for me i think it triggers like 
my ingrained trauma of seeing it for the first time and being freaked out by it. So every time it starts back up, I'm like, oh, shudder a little bit, like, and then her eyes and scary. Um, but, you know, looking at it now, uh, the CGI does not hold up. That's like one of the worst features in this. It makes me think of like PlayStation 2 graphics, like cutscenes yes. and stuff from back then where it's like video... Uh, game cutscenes of just like look at what we can do with computer animation this thing is floating and you're like it looks so fake now that yeah it's not great there's some weird sound effect choices in here like towards the end the fight scene has like and it just sounds like stock like the punches and the grunts sound like again stock like video game sound effects uh and then the one scene or the one line the guy that well sorry guys spoilers but uh, ahead of time here, early spoiler warning, the one crew member that gets shot into space mm-hmm. and comes back to the ship. When he does that, he has that horrible voiceover of like, here I come, motherfuckers, or something like that. That just is so 90s. I don't know how else to yeah. describe it, but I'm like, that line, uh-huh. that line read is so late 90s. And it is kind of, it's the handful of moments like that. It, tonally, it does not fit with the rest of the movie. So, because there are, all, are a couple moments of like, I feel like attempted humor that I'm like the rest of the movie is so dark and grim that you're like, why did you even try that? It does not, Uh does not land. Um, A couple moments do when uh, uh, the pilot, Sean Pertwee's character uh, goes, this ship is fucked like that. You're like, yep, no duck. Get out of there like that. That lands. But there's other moments at humor that I'm like, no, what were they? No, just commit to the darkness. It does that thing that I love, though, where you see the overall logo and then you go into the movie through the logo. Oh, yeah. The top. I love yeah, that. That's I fun. I love that. That is so fun. And I think we've talked about it before, but I wonder if you have to pay like extra to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I wonder if they're like, well, you can do it, but you have to pay us $50,000. Yeah, probably if they're smart. Yeah, yeah. But I always love when a movie does that. It just, I, I want to see a compilation of all the various. All the times that's happened. Yeah, because I love it. It just like always gives me the feels. And I thought like the opening music and stuff was really cool. Yeah, yeah. The the set pieces are great. I mean, not the special effects like, like, you know, the computer generated stuff, but the set pieces are so cool, especially the like the weird orb thing, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, everything. Yeah, the the drive or whatever. The I don't know. Did they ever give it a name? I don't know. The, the core, other than so. the core or something like that, they keep referring to it, but it's, yeah, it's the engine of the ship. So. Yeah. And I love Jolie Richardson. She's from Nip Tuck. Did you ever watch Nip Tuck? A uh, long time ago. Like the first season like, of it ever. There's like a serial killer season. I can't remember what the person's called, but I feel like it's been a million years. We're talking like over 15 years that I watched it, but I remember it was so like shocking back in the day. Cause there was like, partial nudity and like cussing and like very like it was all sex 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 mm-hmm. uh, there was a killer at one point and it was really creepy he would i don't remember if he wore like i feel like he wore an animal's head or something maybe i'm just mixing up with saw but yeah. he like cut people up i don't remember what happened but there was a killer or like someone who was chopping people up with knives and it was so awesome cool I, I loved her on that show and i love seeing her here yeah, this th- that's one of the things working for this movie is this cast is stacked like everyone, just about everybody in it. I feel like nailed their role and it works. So you're like that helps elevate uh, the movie in that way. 
Yeah, I just, and I agree with you. I think the acting is fine. I don't think the script is good. Like, I don't find, like, I'm getting to care for these characters through, like, cheesy flashbacks. Like, Mm -hmm. I want, like, character development through conversation. Like, that sort of clever thing. And I don't feel a lot of that personally. They're Mm -hmm. still good, which helps. Like, if you don't have a great script, you have to have good acting. Just like I was talking about last night with my husband. I'm like, Titanic is, like, such a poorly written movie. But, like, Kate Winslet, like, can sell the shit out of that dialogue. Because <laughs> she's yeah. such a good actress. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, with this movie in particular, you're like number one, Sam Neill in a horror movie. Like he gets it. He like he just kills it every time. Uh, he's just being Sam Neill all over the place. And, <laughs> and it, there's something about that too because he doesn't like. There's I don't know. Like you would know more about acting than I do the actual craft. But there's something to his ability to read virtually the same way but it can either just it's like a slight twist to phrase or just the way he does it and he either comes across as as like you know a fatherly figure which he's good at playing or just unbearably creepy yeah and it it really you know he can do it he can navigate that so easily and it can happen And in this movie he kind of does both like he keeps transitioning with the the decline the obsession as uh Dr. Weir, his character becomes obsessed with the the ship and the presence in the ship and overcome by it. And yeah, and that is such a good quality to have as an actor because so many people are either, oh, you really can play like the nice guy or you really can be like the asshole or the villain. Like it's so, because I agree with you, he can walk that fine line and he can do either or. He can jump sides so quickly and so easily and be so creepy and menacing, but then also be the kind of guy you want to just like read your bedtime stories. Yeah, exactly. You think that he's sexy like, oh, voice. He, he has my he has my best interests at heart. He's going <laughs> to help me out. And then, nope, he's going to kill you. Yeah, I just and, and again, I'm going back to like the script or the writing, but like I feel like his journey is it just confuses me. And I, I mean, I know I've only seen this twice. And the first time I saw it was probably in the 90s. And I don't remember loving it then. I remember mm-hmm. everyone talking about like how gory and gross it was. And I was like, uh, I don't remember that. I thought it was fine. And I kind of felt the same way now. I might have liked it a little bit more because I have a stronger affinity towards Sam Neill after we watched um, Possession and mm-hmm. and things like that. Like he's just so good. And so like watching him again was great. So I think I liked it more than I did back then. But like I said, I, I, his journey feels a little fuzzy to me. And I don't know if that's in the editing or whatever. So talk to me about some of that. Probably. Yeah. So here's the thing. Exactly what your issue is, is Paul W.S. Anderson, of course, he had directed the original Mortal Kombat movie. That was what got him, uh, you know, uh, broke him uh, as a director. Uh, he would then go on to do all of the, those Resident Evil movies. Um, and, but this was in between after Mortal Kombat, he didn't know what he wanted to do next, but he knew he wanted to break away from, uh, he wanted to do something more hardcore was the idea. And he got this, uh, and for some, I guess specifically he wanted to do a horror movie, but like a hardcore horror movie, something shocking and over the top. Uh, and he read this script and was like, this is the movie I want to do. Um, I guess the original version of Event Horizon, uh, was something more akin to Alien, where there was some kind of like uh, eldritch horror beast like aboard the ship itself, but they decided again that would be too much like Alien. So he wanted to strip out the idea of an actual monster you see 
and more okay. uh, using, I think specifically he mentioned the original, the haunting and the shining as movies where the place itself is the villain, you know, more mm-hmm. or less. And it's the, what you don't see. It's just the fact that there is some sort of horrible presence that you'll, you never actually see within the location that's uh, uh, assaulting everyone. And I guess in the, in the original edit, because his first edit he turned in of this movie was like over two hours. From what I understand, this is like an hour and a half movie. Uh, his cut was closer to, I think, two and a half hours. Uh, and there was a lot of extra material. Every character got their moment. So that's a lot of what was lost, actually, because people talk about the, the, the more intense gore scenes. Uh, but uh, part of what got chopped out was every single character got uh, a little bit more development because you learned in the, this finished version of the movie, it feels a little lopsided because you're like, okay, well, you know, a few of these characters are seeing visions of, you know, regrets or fears or whatever. That's what the ship is using to play with them. Uh, but in, I guess in the original cut, every single character explained or through the story, you learned what was driving all of them, whether, you know, uh, the idea is, is it's their past sins. They're being confronted or what they see as their like greatest sins in life come back to you know kill like flatliners yeah destroy them um torture them so you know again leaning into the idea that it was hell like literally hell is where the ship had gone and you know eternal torment is all that awaits them but i feel that i feel like in the finished product you're like yeah a lot of these characters you don't really get to know them and there's stuff that makes more sense like i did when i went online and started reading material that got cut like a big example is jason isaac's character the uh the ship doctor Mm -hmm. uh he had he had scenes that were cut explaining that as a child he had some condition or something but it it resulted in him needing a bunch of operations uh to save his life and so he's afraid of uh surgery now uh and hence in his Spoilers, everyone, his death scene is him being vivisected alive, which was his greatest fear. So in the scene, like when Sam Neill kills him, he rips off his shirt and you see a big scar. And that's supposed to be, you know, from his childhood surgeries. And it was, you Uh, know, it was supposed mm -hmm. to be more meaningful (laughs) than death with his backstory actually explained. So like everything that happened to each character or the uh, the younger guy, the one that went into the the portal Justin, i love justin and uh in the longer cut of the movie like his motivation makes sense because in this finished cut and i still think it every time i'm like why the fuck did he walk in there you know just like oh well i better go into this mystery void you know but his character got more explanation as like he he really wants to be an explorer and an astronaut and the unknown is something that motivated him like he wanted to go uh out to the ship like everybody else is hesitant and i guess there's cut scenes of him being the one that's like we have to do this we have to go find out wh- what happened you know we have to go explore because that's you know what i want to do so there was a little more motivation as to like why he would just go check that out uh so yeah it's you know in the finished movie you're like okay some of this seems hurried i can tell that a hack and slash editing job had been done to the finished movie where certain stuff kind of uh, it feels rushed or doesn't make sense. Um, another big one too uh, that I saw, I, I watched a little documentary about Paul W.S. Anderson talking about like missing scenes and what he uh, was upset that he lost in the movie. Uh, and one of the bits towards the end when uh, Sam Neill 
has gone full like demon man uh, after he, you know, after he dies and the ship brings him back as, you know, it's avatar or whatever. Uh, they had done like a full, it was really intensive, full body makeup. They put him in where, you know, he's all scarred up with, I assume those are supposed to be some kind of like satanic sigils or something like that all over his body. But um, you don't really get to see it. They had like a bunch more scene shot. Like there's a creepy one that was a reference to the spider walk from the exorcist where he climbs down a ladder, but upside down, like coming at, uh, you know, the sort of at Lawrence Fishburne. Um, and you can find that clip in one of these documentaries. They still have part of that footage. It's real rough looking, but like, Oh yeah, that would have been a really creepy scene to keep in there. But mm-hmm. there's more time with that. And you got to see that makeup and it looked really cool. But in the finished movie, you just get a bunch of tight close-ups of his face and don't really get to see all that cool work they did. So yeah, a lot got hacked out of and this I movie. S- I seem to remember like when they find that footage of like the previous crew and like what yes. happened to them. In my mind, I remember seeing more of that as a kid. Like, cause that was so fast and so quick. And I imagine that had to have been something that was cut too, because it was like too much. Absolutely. Uh the story behind that was that um Paul W. S. Anderson had started shooting that footage, but then had to go back to the main unit. So he had a second unit director that was um and he even named the guy, I can't remember, he's a French director, but it was a friend of his. And he did the second unit, which was shooting what they called the, you know, the blood orgy uh scene uh and he shot that stuff and he just really like you know uh you get flashes of it but i was reading online like some of it is like a dude pulling his own intestines out through his mouth there's somebody getting their teeth like screws drilled into their teeth with you know horrible dental torture uh and then a lot of more like sex and violence Mm -hmm. happening which i guess they shot with they got actual porn actors Wow. Uh, to, you know, assist to, uh, I guess they were going for authenticity here. So, but uh, all of that was intact. Like it was a longer, like you actually had to watch apparently in the original cut, like that. And the producers, like, couldn't run out of the room fast enough because that was shot at a point where they'd, they stopped watching the dailies. Uh, they had seen enough and they were like, okay, we know what this movie's going to be about. And that was all done at the end and then cut out, cut in last. And so when they saw that rough cut, they lost their shit. And they're like, you can't have this in the movie. That's the stuff I want to see. If only allegedly too. I mean, everyone says, unfortunately, the original film elements are lost. They don't know what happened. A lot of stuff got transferred to videotape, which, you know, is a terrible quality to keep uh, the stuff on. And it was lost and or destroyed. Except a couple years ago, there was a rumor that one of the producers has some sort of video copy of the original rough cut uh, or may have it locked away somewhere. So it's like, come on, go check it out, see if it's there. And the fans are demanding a restoration of the original, you know, director's cut. So let's see that. Let's see it. I would have rather have seen Event Horizon by Paul Thomas Anderson. That would be strange, I'm sure. <laughs> it would have been long. It would have been that two and a half, three hour version. Okay? Yeah. I, yep. And there would be a lot of like talking about the nature of hell, I think, and some more <laughs> waxing philosophical about that. Oh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, well, I appreciate all that history. I knew you would know all of that. Oh, yeah. I uh, I had read this stuff before in the past, so it was fun to dive back in and really read the <laughs> what happened to this movie. 
Yeah, to me, it's like, and I love this game. I feel like it's like Flatliners and Aliens and Hellraiser had a baby. That's it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much this movie. I feel like part of what gets me with this one, too, is because we've talked about, are there specific subgenres that freak you out? Uh, and for me, having grown up Catholic, it's definitely when you throw demons and hell and possession in there, that's what scares me. So I think that's like the underlying thing that makes me think this is a freaky movie is just all the, the, the eternal torment they're uh, trying to scare you with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it works. And I, too, I don't know why, but Lawrence Fishburne, uh, one great character moment I think he has. Number one, he's like born to play captains of ships and stuff like that because he does sure. it very well. Um, but he, when he's describing the time he lost that crew member in the fire because he had to save the rest of his crew, so he had to leave a man behind. Uh, but he has that line where he says, have you ever seen fire in zero gravity? And there's something about that that I'm like, that's super chilling. Like when he starts to tell that story where he's like, it's really beautiful and it washes over everything like water. And you're like, oh, I don't know why, but that delivery is like so good. Talk about elevating the material. Like his mm-hmm. his monologue there is so good that you're like, wow, that's that's really scary. I really feel it. Also, Cloverfield Paradox or whatever the fuck it was called. Mm-hmm. 100% was like ripping off this movie. That's what I hear. I never actually saw that, but I heard about the plot and it's like, it's yeah, just I, so messy. I feel like anything post event horizon where you're in a spaceship with horrific things. Now it's like, yep, you're just ripping off event horizon though. Even though event horizon is like alien, like you said, alien meets Hellraiser, you know? So yeah. And, uh, and of course I always think about the South park critter Christmas episode. Cause that was inspired by the, um, by this movie. So that's the one where Cartman uh, tells the story that he made up about the, uh, the the Christmas critters. There's woodland animals that have a blood orgy <laughs> in one uh, scene because they're actually satanic and it was inspired by Event Horizon. So. My favorite blood orgy is during Sleep No More in New York. There is like this little hidden room and every hour or whatever, all the, the witches. I saw it. Oh, you saw it. I saw it. Oh my it. God. The blood orgy is my favorite. I remember it was intense. blood on me. And then afterwards I followed one of the little male witches off to like a shower and he got naked and showered and asked me to hand. Well, he pointed to a towel for me to hand it to him and I did. And mm-hmm. it was just, oh my God. I, I drank tea with show. some weird girl. That's funny. I drank milk with some weird girl. And then she dumped it on me. <laughs> did she? Yes. <laughs> it wasn't hot. No, it wasn't hot. Oh, okay. Yep. Were you like, um, uh, Bash? I was, because I was just kind of like, is this all this is? Because when we when we did that, because Sarah was like, I loved it. And you had a lukewarm performance. And I was like, yeah, because I apparently took the advice too literal of like, I went ahead, like I went way off the path from everyone else to try and find like yeah. little stuff on my own. But I feel like I ended up missing a lot of shit because all the actors were going where the groups were. So I was just kind of like wandering around through empty rooms for a long time. Oh, that's fun, though. I I always take things. I take little pieces. Yeah, the set dressing was incredible. So that was fun to like walk around. But yeah, I spent a lot of time when I did that, just walking through empty rooms like, where's all the performers? (laughs) And then I would find a guy and follow him. And then apparently he was like done doing whatever he did because then he would disappear. I'm like, damn it. I was trying to (laughs) find cool shit, but whatever. Oh, they should do something like that. But like inspired by event horizon where you're in a a spaceship and it's like an immersive thing. That'd be cool. That would be cool. 
but yeah, anyway, I guess, um, I guess that's it. Unless you have anything else to add. I don't. Um, out of, uh, out of five, you know what? I'm going to reference. There was a cut scene that like everybody talks about on the internet where when they first get on the ship, they see a floating object and they're like, what is that? And then, uh, Lawrence Fishburne grabs it and it's like a human tooth that's been pulled out at the jawbone floating there. So I'm going to say out of five deleted floating teeth (laughs) base, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it three. I shall give it a four. Ooh. uh, I don't know. I still have a lot of nostalgia and fun with this, Um, especially towards the end. I'm like, this is legitimately thrilling. Like you said, like the set pieces at the end is everything literally goes up in flames. Uh, There's some cool shit happening. And I was like, okay, yeah, I was in for this ride. This was fun. So, well, cool. Well, that is a scare of approval. Still a scare of approval. Still, still Still is. Yeah. All right, now we are going to Martin from 1977, directed by George A. Romero. There's two taglines. One is, he could be the boy next door. And the other one on my favorite poster is, see it with someone you're sure of. And the summary from IMDb is, a young man who believes himself to be a vampire goes to live with his elderly and hostile cousin in a small Pennsylvania town where he tries to redeem his blood-craving urges. Mm-hmm. That's it. Do you remember seeing this before? Because as watching it, I really didn't remember any of it. Oh, my God. Me either. Weird. (laughs) Because but I knew like I have a memory of in college. My buddy James was a fan of this movie. And I remember him like coming over with the DVD and putting it in and like us like watching it. Yeah, he put it in. Yeah, he put it in. (laughs) Uh, And I remember random scenes, but not the movie as a whole. So I'm like. Did we only half pay attention to this? Did we only watch like part of it and never got back to it? I don't remember, but there were a couple scenes that I'm like, I remember this. I remember this, but not like the bulk of the movie. Yeah, it is. It's like a more depressing, sad version of like Maniac. I mean, Maniac is kind of depressing as it is. I mean, it's gross, but it's also he's sad as a character, whatever the lead guy the character's name is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But here I find I mean Martin is just so sad and lonely and quiet and <sighs> yeah, it's just kind of a depressing little movie. It really is cuz I I kept feeling like I don't know how I feel about this movie while I watched it cuz it would start to get me, like I'd start to come into the world and then but like nothing really happens. This is a, one of those character study movies. So you just kind of live Martin's sad, weird life with him. Uh, so when all was said and done, I was like, uh, was that, did, was, I don't know if I got anything per se from the movie. You know what I mean? Like other than it's like, this is, this is a strange one for sure. Yeah. And there's all these, like, it's definitely like the, the, and I wonder if this sparked the idea and Anne Rice to do interview with a vampire, because that's literally what's happening throughout the movie. Yeah. When he's calling into the radio station <laughs> yeah. to just be like, well, real vampires are just guys that drink blood, essentially like the bare minimum. There is no, uh, magic as he keeps calling it. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, really, like, so this guy goes and stays with his his cousin. It seems more like his uncle. But, like, the uncle, the cousin thinks that he is a vampire. Nosferatu, as he says. Mm-hmm. And, like, does all these things to make sure that, like, he doesn't harm, like, his daughter? His yeah. niece? What is his she? daughter. 
his daughter and like puts garlic up and stuff like that. And it, it, the whole thing is like, is he or isn't he? And then there's all these weird flashbacks in black and white that Martin has when he's like usually in pursuit of mm-hmm. like killing someone because he stabs people with needles. And then when they pass out, he'll like drink their blood and make it look like a suicide. And it's just so odd. Which I thought was kind of cool the, what they were going for there with those scenes. Cause I was reading that uh, really it's up to you can, you can read this movie a couple ways, which is one is that Martin is just a very sick person and that those black and white, like Gothic, if you will, sequences. Uh, Cause they, they, essentially that's what they are is they're, they look like they're scenes from a more traditional vampire movie. Yeah. So those are either his fantasies about like what he thinks of himself or uh, other people read it as those are memories um, because he does drop hints that he's like much older than he appears to be. So it's 84. Like, yeah, perhaps he actually is a vampire and these are memories from uh, his old life. Yeah, I guess where I feel like it has not has to be real, but why it could make more sense that he really was a vampire, even though he wasn't doing it in a traditional vampire way, because it's sort of deconstructed in that sort of sense. Yes. But the cousin, how would he know that Martin liked to drink blood? You know, I don't know. I just like, it seems like they haven't lived in the same world and you don't fully know how Martin ends up in his care. It's super vague as to why, other than like, I have to go live with my cousin for some reason who knows I'm a vampire and yeah. Because if he's not 84, and if he is, like, a young man, I can't imagine he's, like, 16. Like, he's got to yeah. be older. Like, so I don't know why he's going to live with him. Like, he mm-hmm. could just have his own life. But somehow he ends up, like, in the care of this cousin, who is a much older man, who is the guy from Amusement Park, right? I believe so, yes. Like, as I, for, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, my God, I've only seen a trailer for the Amusement Park. Yeah. That's 100% that guy. Yeah, I think that's the guy. Because I was reading a thing, too, that uh, George Romero for this movie used a lot of, like, uh, local actors and, like, non-actors throughout yeah. this movie. So it has a very authentic feel I, because of that. And Tom Savini's in it. Yep, Tom Savini. And George Romero himself cameos as the priest. Oh, Yep. And Tom Savini is looking cute back then, okay? I've he never was... thought that, but I was like, he is cute. He... Yeah, you go back far enough. He was a hunk. Yeah, hunk of burning love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is just, it is such a bizarre little film. I feel like I could read someone's like dissertation on it and probably find a lot of interesting things about that. Did you watch it all the way through like the radio interview that happens at the at end? At the end? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's that weird last moment where yeah. there's a voice that says, like, I. I think I know where the count is. I have a friend who I think is the count and it's so odd. Yep. And then it just is over and you're like, Oh wow. And he's buried out. Out and just, you know, on Mark's grave now. So I think that there's three really good scenes and that's that opening. I think is so good. I think Mm -hmm. it's so well crafted. Really harrowing too. I was like, Holy, Holy crap. Like this is intense. Because here's the thing I find in movies when someone gets stabbed or shot, they so often just like die. And like, that's not how it is. No, I can't. I mean, I've not been in that situation, <laughs> thankfully, but I, I'm sure it's not. From what I've heard, it takes a lot to die. Yes, you <laughs> it does not got, happen immediately. It's not instant. It takes a minute. So like a struggle and all that is way more authentic and believable. Yeah. 
And that's where in that first scene, I mean, I know that this person wasn't like killed. They're they're stabbed with this or, you know, injected with whatever serum he has to like knock them out. But like it takes some time. And that is so disorienting. I don't I don't know if that's the right word, but it's disturbing. Yes, very disturbing. Yeah. And so, you know, trigger warning, there is some sexual assaults in this it is it's it's odd it's it's strange but it's definitely in there it is um Mm -hmm. it's unnerving a little bit so there's that sequence then there's the sequence when he comes upon the the woman who he thinks is alone and she's not i think that sequence is pretty cool yeah and then like what you might call the climax the 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 big moment right at the end Mm -hmm. is like a hundred percent jolting like you're just like what <laughs> yeah and, yeah and you're like oh my god and then yeah that's it and then it's over <laughs> yeah, and you're like whoa that came out of nowhere but like holy cow but yeah it is so effective i'm just like that yeah it's it definitely goes to show i mean because night of the living dead really is sort of like non-stop horror like it's and then there's like these moments of silence where people are talking and stuff which really makes the movie a better than just like a monster movie like there yes. are these conversations there are these relationships there are these fleshed out characters and here it's like a lot of fleshing out and a lot of decent like acting and conver- well the acting is questionable but the conversations and stuff the dialogue is very interesting and appealing mm-hmm. and and like really kind of get you into the skin of these characters but it's definitely like a di- I mean it is a different film than Night of the Living Dead absolutely now i've heard many voices call this Romero's actual masterpiece like there's a lot of people want to push this movie as better than the dead movies uh or at least you know the original trilogy of dead movies and that this is his like magnum opus i do not agree i don't think this is no i mean it's not a bad movie but it's not as uh, uh, his you know his masterpieces were night of the living dead and the original dawn of the dead and I don't think this movie touches. Those, I say so. Day of the Dead. And Day personally. of the Dead too. You know, if you want to throw like that Day in there, the Dead, I agree too. I would, th- I would throw it in there too. Um, but yeah, this doesn't get there per se. I think what he did with those zombie movies still, uh, they're more, I don't know. Uh, some, some works in those that in this movie, this feels like a rough draft for what he would do later. As uh, as teacher Drew would say, uh, <laughs> this one, this one feels like a rough draft for some of the, uh, thematic elements he'd put into, you know, uh, Dawn. Because I, I think this was made before Dawn of the Dead, uh, if I'm correct, and uh, and before Day. So. so this is made in 1977, and Dawn of the Dead is made in 78. So, yes, like right before. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's decent. So let's talk about some of the correlations between this and Event Horizon, because the obvious one is suicide, right? Like the Oh, I didn't even think about that. I did, because isn't in Event Horizon, yeah. someone's character has committed suicide, right? Yes. Yes, or there's a par- particular person. Suicide is a driving force for one of the characters. Here there are definitely like allusions to suicide and things like that, but that's the linkage that I had. So what did you have? Oh, mine was a little more uh, outside of the movies themselves. Uh, number one, uh, it's the... 25th anniversary of Event Horizon because it came out in 1997. This came out in 1977, so it's the 45th anniversary of Martin oh, this year. Wow. Uh, and, the, and the other thing is, both of these are movies that were edited from their original vision from what mm. the director had because apparently 
Romero's original cut of Martin was like almost three hours long. Oh God. Uh, and all in black and white. And the, you know, the producers had him cut it way down. So floating out there, somebody found it and it's being restored right now. The original director's cut. So that is going oh. to get released in the near future. Uh, but it was thought lost much like the original cut of event horizon for a long time. They said the original cut of Martin is long gone, but uh, those that know about it or have seen it cl- claim it to be a much, you know, uh, more artful movie, uh, better movie than the one that got released. So, okay, and it does not have those like you thought it had like the the gold teeth in it. Like mm-hmm. They're kind of on that one poster, and that never happens, right? He never wears teeth. No, yeah, he never wears teeth, which is like such an odd thing to put well, on the poster, other than to scare his cousin in the one scene, and that was right, it. right. But there was definitely it. like the white plastic. Yep. And so I thought he wore teeth, but nope. But that's the poster that I love. Yep. That's the poster that I'm putting on our little thing. Our little oh, good, good. I like that because one. Because I, I love that one so much. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then it's not in there. So yeah, oh, go well. figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, out of five stakes through the heart, how many do you give Martin? I was going to go higher, but as we as I think about it, I'm like, I'm not sure this is a movie I'll necessarily revisit a lot because uh, this watch, I'm like, it was interesting, but not necessarily riveting per se. So I'm going to give it three and a half. That is exactly what I'm giving it, you little oh, bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> Another. Scare of approval. Scare of approval. Yes. So yeah, double scare of approval. Neither one like, you know, total ragers. Like, but for you, Event Horizon is. I still like it. So yeah. Maybe I, I could do a watch party with people. Are there any Event Horizon fans out there? <laughs> Let's do it. And here's the weird thing. I rate a Martin above Event Horizon, but I would rather watch Event Horizon again. No, I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of movies on Letterboxd. You'll see like two and a half star rating, uh, but they're so bad they're good or something like that. So I end up rewatching them all the time, even though they might have a low star rating. That's just for the quality of the filmmaking itself, not the enjoyment factor sometimes. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, thanks for listening. If you want to write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com or slide into our DM, scaringasharing on Insta. Yeah. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah, smash that like button. We'd like to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. That's- <laughs> and Jeremy, I'll see you again real soon, like... Yeah, real soon. And as always, people, remember, evil dies tonight. And hail Paymon. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because... Scaring is sharing. That's right. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.